Welcome to Vibrant Visionaries with Heidi Bennett. These are conversations with clever, compassionate, multi-creatives about their projects, process, and lessons learned along the way. So I'm Heidi, and I just got back from Fantastic Fest in Austin. It was my first trip to Austin, my first trip to Fantastic Fest. And I'd like to thank Fawn's PR for extending me the invitation to have a press pass. It was absolutely overwhelmingly wonderful, magical. I mean, so many friendly people. So I will talk about more of that towards the end of this episode, you know, hanging out at Alamo Draft House and meeting super cool people and conducting amazing interviews. I've got interviews coming up after this one all through October. So all through October, I'm going to have extra episodes popping up into your feed. I have an interview with Sonia Escalano, the director and creator of House of Sweat and Tears. I spoke with Damien Rugna and Damien or Demian, however you might pronounce it. It's D-E-M-I-A-N, so it might be Demian. He was the director of Terrified, and that movie got the jury prize for uh, the horror flick of Fantastic Fest. And oh my gosh, it was, whoo, it was terrifying and awesome. I loved it. And I had a real quick chat with Demian. And uh, so I, I look forward to sharing that. I also got to speak with Amanda Kramer. She was the director of Lady World, and we had a really fun conversation. And there is more. So please subscribe if you're new. Welcome to the podcast. And uh, I look forward to sharing even more about the fantastic, fantastic fest, the next few episodes here on Vibrant Visionaries. So now please enjoy this conversation with the director of Life After Flash, Lisa Downs, and the star of Life After Flash, Sam Jones, aka Flash. Aww. One thing before we get started, I just wanted to make a note that this podcast conversation um, interview was recorded in a karaoke room, a really cool karaoke room, but a little bit echoey. You could kind of hear background noise a bit more than my usual studio recordings. So you'll hear a casual conversation between me and Lisa and Sam. The three of us are hanging out in this room and you'll hear a little room noise because they're both sort of getting ready to take off right after our conversation. A little bit of zipping up of bags and gathering up of materials and things, but it was just absolutely wonderful. And I thank you both Sam and Lisa for the opportunity to talk with you. Anybody who enjoys a documentary that is funny, fun, engaging, where you get to see behind the scenes, you're going to really enjoy Life After Flash, especially if you're a fan of the original Flash Gordon film that came out in 1980. There's plenty of great conversations and interviews with, with almost the entire cast and creators of the movie. So anybody that's a big fan is going to just love that. And then there's a lot of personal stories that Sam shares. So you'll hear me ask Sam some personal questions about his relationship to the words love and compassion. And that is really 
born out of my viewing of the film and seeing his relationship with his family, his friends, and many fans and the way he treats everyone and the way people treat him. So I hope you enjoy this and I will share links to how you can find out more about seeing Life After Flash. And so here we go right into the conversation with Lisa and Sam and me. And thanks again. <laughs> so nice to meet you, Lisa. Thanks to you too. Thanks to so much. So great to see the movie last night. So I do, I do a podcast. Okay. And so I'm recording this for the podcast. So it's called Vibrant Visionaries, and I actually, I'm here, you know, with a press pass, but I'm not traditionally a press person. Uh, I'm a coach for creative people. Wow. So it was really interesting to, to watch, you know, a personal journey with your documentary because that's what I go on with my clients is we're investigating our choices and our mindset and stuff yes. like that. So yeah, it's definitely so, been like a four-year therapy session with taking on all of Sam's uh, Sam's wisdom. Been like personally life-changing. So uh, yeah, speaking of the film and and your experience, Lisa, what would you like to share about what it's what it's like now you're kind wow. of another end? Such an or? open question, huh? I mean, it just it has been such a journey and hands down the hardest thing I've ever done because the plus side of documentaries is that you can just start shooting you don't have to wait for a full budget to come in you can do bits and pieces while we were crowdfunding trying to get to the states we were shooting people when we could in England but it has been amazing and been the biggest struggle it was really just myself and my producer doing most of it you know I edited it because we didn't have an editor and it's been something that's very very close to me so it means so much that it's finally finished and it's out there because it's also my first feature documentary so for me it's like the stepping stone of I'm finally doing my own projects as opposed to to working for other people and also to have this incredible journey of this film that I love and grew up on you know sometimes I have to pinch myself and and go I'm sitting here with Sam or I'm sitting here with Popple or I'm sitting here with Brian May and suddenly the film is kind of coming to life around you and you're involved in all these people's lives now and it's really surreal but yeah I'm just I'm really proud of it and I feel like I hope that I did Sam's story justice you know we were very careful and from the outset we said we don't want this to be some kind of you know actor car crash Hollywood type film you know it's going to be very real and it is what it is and we want to tell his story right and we were very blessed to have Sam so open because it wouldn't have worked otherwise and Sam was very gracious to open his doors to his family and his friends who to them also just said tell the truth you know so we were the platform that we had was just I mean incredible and I don't know how it happened but it did and he said yes and, <laughs> and here we are but it's definitely yeah there were a few tears when it was well during but when it was finally finished it was a wonderful feeling to have thank you you know earlier when I was overhearing you talk, Sam, about just the energy you get from the fans and mm. the energy that goes back and forth. I think it's just a big, big love fest. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really is. And then um, I noticed, Sam, you mentioned a, a couple of times, you know, that you're seeing this on the big screen, you know, once, twice, a third time, and each time you're sort of taking in different information. Sure. and. 
I'm curious about what you feel your relationship to the words love and compassion come to when it comes to your faith or your fans, your family, anything you'd like to share about that? My relationship with love and compassion. Well, I better be loving and compassionate, otherwise uh, I wouldn't have that relationship, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I didn't mean that to make it sound like so No, 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 I'm thinking out loud while I'm saying that. that. Yeah, if I don't have the love and relationship, and not to get religious, but we need to define love as a godly love because a lot of people... Love can be, oh, tell a person you really hate them because that's really truth and love. No, (laughs) that's got nothing to do with love, okay? Love is a godly love and compassion is is sacrificing yourself and your needs for this other person. No matter what they've done or no matter how you think, you know, they're wrong. It has to be that way. If I'm not operating in the godly love and compassion, then it's my own made-up version of what I think love and compassion is. And I probably did that for a lot of years. That's called self-centeredness. That's called the me, me, me syndrome. Right. And and I was blinded by that. And I was thinking, ah, oh, that's my love. The 80s, right? Yeah, the that's 80s my love. called <laughs> the me generation. Yeah. So yeah, right. that's my love. That was my compassion. Yeah. Or maybe even the, the compassion would turn to judgment. Well, they don't deserve that. Right. So, yeah. yeah, and compassion <laughs> cannot live in a place of judgment at the same time if it's true compassion. Oh, so yeah, compassion. If you are feeling yeah. that. Uh, you know, one of my sisters was married to a racist many, many years ago. I grew up in the South. And I, I never saw colors in the South. I, I just how it was, you know. Human being, human being. So she brings him to California at a restaurant. And he starts using the N-word, you know, just in our conversation. I said, oh, time out. This is calling Bob. I said, Bob, time out. Bob, you got to understand, you cannot use that. I said, forget about it. You can't use it with people listening. And I don't want you to use it in my presence. Well, yeah, what's your problem? I said, I don't have a problem. You will. Because if somebody comes over to my table right now and confronts you, guess whose side I'm going to be fighting for, as in fist fighting for him. Or her, not you, not my brother-in-law. So that ended that conversation. So compat. So yeah, I mean, so let's fight for the side that obviously, you know, uh, the, the compassionate side is this side, not this. Right. So uh, when I made that decision that day, part of my whole life, it wasn't just a, a, a racist issue. It was oh, I need to fight for the side that is walking in a godly truth. Even if it's family, wait a minute, my sister and her husband. These are my friends now, over here. Right. Not them anymore. Isn't that crazy? Well, and the thing (laughs) is, too, yeah, thank you for sharing that story. Even to be uh, forthcoming with your brother-in-law and let him know Mm -hmm. where you stand is also compassionate. Like, you're giving him an opportunity to say, hey, you've got a choice here. And, and you know what you're and, right. and guess what he did? He stopped it. There you go. He stopped so, it. Yeah, so I, you I, were acting compassionately towards him, right? Yeah. You didn't just say, screw you, dude. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you gave true. him an opportunity. And then you also stood in your own conviction. Yeah, and guess what happened? You know. Within a year, they were divorced. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it was a wise move. <laughs> okay, 
Lisa, I have a question for you. (laughs) (laughs) I am wondering, um, you all got to meet and reconnect with some folks from the movie, but also one of my favorite comedians and comedic actors, Rich Fulcher. (laughs) How did that come about? Uh, He, I mean, wasn't he brilliant? So in the film, he he the the guy next to him, Jason Lindsay, who founded Big Bang Pow, and he's had such a relationship with Flash Gordon in the past, is actually just really good friends with him. And he said I had emailed Jason for an interview, and he said, you know what, I've got Rich, my friend, who is a big Flash Gordon fan. Uh, we got to do a double interview because they have such great banter. And it was we we were probably there for about three hours oh in gosh. the comic book store, and he was just. I think you can actually hear me snigger a few times in the actual film, which I tried to cut out, but he was just brilliant because he had that really kind of dry sense of humor. Yeah. Um, and I had wanted to have a bit of humor in the film too because I've not really seen many documentaries that have elements of humor in it, so that was important to me, and so it just kind of worked out perfectly. But he was he was brilliant, and I actually. In the long, we had a longer version of the film, and his, some of his stuff I had to cut out from mm. that. Uh, sadly, I could just do a whole film on him. What would you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that dude does a kick. Oh, and I noticed Matt Berry was in for like a split second at the oh, end too. Oh yes. So the I had organized just if a film wasn't enough to do, I decided to organize the Flash Gordon reunion um, as well in London, uh, and he was. Uh, we had a mutual friend. Um, and he just came along to the reunion and he was super, just a massive Flash fan. And as there were a few other British people, I don't know if American audiences maybe recognise some of the people from it. But yeah, that was an evening, it was like black tie at the home of BAFTA and we had, I mean, you saw everyone on really stage fun, and yeah. Mike Hodges was there and it was just a really <laughs> special night to just celebrate the film. So if you could have any budget when you release the um, film on DVD and had extras, like if you could have all the bells and whistles, what would you like to pile back in to present? Like specific scenes, you scenes, mean? Scenes, people, experiences, um, anything. I would love to release Brian's interview just in whole, yeah. you know, just a one hour 20 special. Um, there were a few other really special moments for me. I I would love to do because we we shot with Topples. Brian May or Brian, oh, Brian Blessed. Blessed. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. Brian Blessed. Um, I'd love to do more kind of mini doc on Topples charity because mm-hmm. we spent the whole afternoon there and it was so incredible and he was so emotional about it. There was a lovely in Rochdale a little charity dinner that the the con put up. Um, and this scene wasn't it, but it was a last minute cut that it was like the first time Sam and Peter Duncan had seen each other again in 35 years. And it was this like kind of sweet little charity dinner. And there's just, yeah, there were so many, so many things, but I think definitely I'd like to do something with the charity with Topple. Cause I think that was just a really special moment. And I don't know if many people know that about him, that side of him. Yeah. So that would be, I mean, how long's a piece of string? <laughs> oh my gosh. I could yeah. just give out my, I mean, it was hours and hours of footage. Well, that's the other thing too, I think is, you know, when we go ahead with a dream project like you have here and that now you've got all these threads of contacts and relationships mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. seeing what people do and their sense of, I mean, so many people, so many of the um, folks connected with this film have such great senses of humor and self-referential, self-deprecating, yes. and uh, others deprecating, you know? <laughs> yeah, the Brits are very self-deprecating. Would you mind, before we wrap up, uh, I can't quite remember, but I heard you in the Q&A last night talking about 
Brian May and Brian Blessed living yes. next to each other. Yes. So Brian, <laughs> I mean, I thought this was hilarious, and this pretty much just sums up, up Brian Blessed's personality because they both live in the same little area in in Surrey, in England. Um, and Brian said, Brian May said that he would just be sitting out having breakfast, and you know, it's very peaceful where they are. And he will just hear Brian Blessed yell, Gordon's alive at the top of his lungs <laughs> over the whole valley that they live in, just because, you know, he's on his own because he loves the film so much and he loves that phrase. And, and he just, yeah, he, he just sit there having breakfast and he'll hear Brian Blessed occasionally yell, That's Gordon's amazing. alive across the valley. They really are that close. Yeah. 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 I need to go visit them. You should. Well, no, next time you're in Yeah, I did call... Uh, he was away last time. That's yeah, why I called to say I want to drop in. Because I made nine trips to the UK last year. Oh, wow. Year. Yes, yeah. you did. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So then I have one more question for you, Sam, yes. if you don't mind sharing. And then I'm going to run to the airport. Yes. Sounds it's good. Okay. No, it's fine. Yeah. yeah, okay, great. Yes. When you are um, not working in security or acting or going to these cons and you're just relaxing how do you like to unwind take care of yourself when you're not working out or playing with the kids or going to the games when it's just chill time what do you like to do well i think that uh, well as you just said those things but i think the coolest thing um relaxing with my wife is that when i'm at home we watch a movie together every night Here's the catch. It's not the same movie we're watching. So, we're propped up in bed. I've got the big screen on Netflix, and she has her laptop watching what she loves best. There's these really nice quality TV series out of Turkey. They're Mm. actually unbelievable. Mm. And she'll watch her Turkish TV series or whatever uh, quality stuff, and I'll watch my Movies for guys who like movies, <laughs> and we're holding. This is this is. I've never uh, shared this, and we are actually propped up in bed, holding hands, and we are watching a movie together every night, but not the same movie. I love it. Is that incredible? The modern world. No, 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 it's so many opportunities. Cool. I mean, yeah, that is cool. And then, of course, every now and then, I you know, once every a month or so, she'll want me to watch this, and yeah. Uh, but every time I get her to try to watch mine. She falls asleep. <laughs> That's why they call it movies for guys who like movies. Right? <laughs> and you know what's a fascinating thing about my wife being a school teacher for years? Mm-hmm. The first Turkish, we've been doing this for about two year and a half, and the first 75 episodes of this one Turkish show, she's watching obviously in subtitles, right? The second season of the next 70, whatever it was, I'm looking at her laptop. There's no subtitles. Hmm. She has the language. She learned the language. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, be married to a school teacher, okay? Is that crazy? That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. Don't tell you that? No. That's crazy. That's a brilliant story. And she never said to me, you know, she doesn't brag. <laughs> She's just doing it. It's just I had part to, of her. I said, this is huge. Oh Wait a this is freaking huge. Why didn't you She's know? suddenly learning Turkish next to you every night. Yeah. No, but isn't that crazy? That's crazy. <laughs> well, before you take off, do you mind if no, you take yeah, off Sam and I just and a little bit? And then vice versa? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or we could do all throughout. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go.
Yeah, now put it on selfie. You come over here, Lisa, uh -huh. on her side. Okay. And I'll right. hold it out and you pull the okay, trigger. Let's... Okay, and then let me. Oh, wait a minute. We can turn. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, there we go. You do it. Now, can you? <laughs> that was super cute. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, you Thank guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Oh, such a pleasure. Yeah. It was such a pleasure. So I'm going to take an Uber. Grab my bags at the yes. hotel. Which are... Thank you. All right. See you in LA. Yes. God bless you. Thank you. And th take these croissants. Don't let them go to work. All right. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. It was nice to uh, have slightly different questions. Please. Thank you so much. It's been really lovely meeting you. And yeah, anything Likewise. that you need, like give me an email. And... Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed lovely. the movie too. Thank you. Yeah. It's great. So great fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. This is Heidi. Just a quick little outro here. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lisa and Sam. Again, I'll share links to how you can find and follow the two of them um, on social media and finding the film. So fantastic fest. Oh, my gosh. I just I really felt like I was in my tribe. There were so many friendly people. I did meet the podcasters that I wanted to meet, which was everybody who had a podcast there. That includes Doug Benson, had a quick chat with him, and that was a lot of fun. And I did speak with April Wolf of Switchblade Sisters, had a, a nice little chat with her. She was very warm and welcoming and friendly and you know, invited me to come back and talk with her again if I was feeling a little lonely or overwhelmed since I was there by myself. And that's pretty much how I felt with everybody. Uh, I talked with the Maltons, Leonard Malton and his daughter, Jessie, who do the podcast Malton on Movies. It was just so relaxing to talk with the two of them and feel like I was just amongst my peers. And uh, that's how I felt even talking with the directors and um, anybody that I ran into. I've, I met some other podcasters, I met folks that were, you know, writing for a variety of publications or online outlets and everyone there, including the staff at the Alamo Drafthouse and at the Highball and everybody in the PR department and all the different PR people that I emailed with. They were all just so nice. The food was delicious and the variety of films was just was just overwhelming. I almost cried every day because I was having such a good time. <laughs> so anybody that's interested in horror, uh, genre, sci-fi, um, action, any of these kinds of films, or just a lover of films and wants to have a great adventure, go check out Fantastic Fest. You can just see at fantasticfest.com kind of the variety of what's going on there. And uh, I highly recommend it. I got to see some great interviews and everything, which I'll talk about those more in upcoming episodes of the podcast. I'm still sort of processing the whole experience, but it was really nice. Um, there was a bit of a hiccup at the beginning in that when I first got there and rented my car and went to the house that I was staying at, the Airbnb, the hosts were very nice, but the house um, it was guarded by two adorable furry dogs, a cat and a new kitten. Also, it was a little bit far out. It was like almost a half hour away from the venue. So driving in a new city 
and driving a rental car. At home, I drive a smart car. So I'm used to having a, a little tiny car that can kind of zip in and out and park really easily. I was just feeling overwhelmed by um, the drive to and fro. And then also the weather was muggy and sometimes it was stormy. So it was kind of exciting, but also sort of stressful. And as much as I liked the doggies and the kitties, uh, it just sort of added an extra layer of like, um, I don't know, like physical energy, like the kitten would sort of run in and out of my room sometimes and hide under the bed. And, and I was feeling just a bit stifled there. So I, you know, graciously bowed out of staying at that Airbnb and they were very nice. Uh, you know, it was no problem. I got a hotel very close to the uh, location, the Alamo Draft House, and my husband kind of helped me remotely because I was so was so busy and sort of overwhelmed at the prospect of finding a new place that I called him up and told him what was going on on Friday uh, after I'd been there, you know, Wednesday and Thursday, and he um, kind of swooped in and helped me with that. So that way I was able to enjoy going to see the Doug Loves Movies uh, podcast taping and then go see Apostle on Friday night. And um, I have reviews of a couple of the films. They're real short reviews, thoughts on some of the films I saw. So you can check out some of my thoughts and reviews on vibrantvisionaries.com. And then you can also head over to my Patreon. There's always a link to that. And there's some of my other thoughts about about going to Fantastic Fest. And uh, I'll keep sharing in future episodes here all through October, like I mentioned. So please come on back. And if you're enjoying this, and you have friends you think would enjoy these kind of conversations, please tell a friend. That's how these independent podcasts get more views, more listens. And this is how we you know, grow our creative community is by telling a friend. So that's it for now. And I look forward to meeting up with you here on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.